you're here, and I'm really grateful I'm here. So my name is Tracy. I am a member here at Redeemer. And our scripture today is Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, and I shall read it. This is the ESV. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf, and the lion, and the fattened calf together. Together? I can't speak. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of God. Thank Thank you, you, God. God. Amen. Thank you, Tracy. Well, good morning. Um, you guys got to meet Brian. For those of you who are new, uh, my name is Ryan. It's not confusing, really, I promise. Um, we frequent uh, a local cafe in town called Buttercup, and probably half the time when, when, uh, before they ask us our name, they'll say, which one are you? And so we, we, um, we're, still, we're still working out. Um, our introductions with a lot of people. Brian and Ryan, it's okay if you get us backwards. We get called the other one anyways, especially at Chick-fil-A. Um, like Brian said, thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for gathering with us this morning. Um, what, a, what a sweet time, the day after Christmas to come in. Um, a day after spending time with our earthly family, we get to come in and, and spend time gathering, worshiping Jesus together as, as a spiritual family uh, thank you for, for giving us your, your morning and coming together. Um, we've covered through our Advent series four weeks of God's promises. God's promises to humanity for light, that he would bring us light in the darkness, that, that he would bring us heaven here on earth, that he would give us a high priest to stand between the holiness of God and the wickedness of our sin, and that he would send us a son to save and redeem. We've spent four weeks focusing on how the promises of God in their fullness culminate into the person and work of Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift of Christmas. And so this morning, we're going to finish our Advent series because it's so close to Christmas, we just wanted to get one last Advent sermon in. Um, This is the promise of the Messiah, the promise of of the Messiah, God's anointed one, God's chosen and holy Savior. J.I. Packer, in his famous work titled Knowing God, says, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. And the promise of the Messiah this morning, the promise of the Messiah is the promise of knowing God forever. You see, the promise of the Messiah is so packed full of details, of implications, of other promises within that promise to us that we could spend a whole multi-year-long sermon series on the promise of the Messiah. But we're not gonna do that this morning. We've just got 20 minutes. So I'm gonna focus on 
The promise of the Messiah is the promise of knowing God forever. And part of knowing God is the story that he's writing, right? Most of that's in here. So knowing God through Scripture, knowing God through the story of humanity. God created us. He's got a story for us. And we like stories. Being made in God's image, we are storytellers ourselves. We like to tell stories. We like to read stories. And we can see this general trend in our storytelling. We've got, um, I'm not the English major, uh, so Brian's, Brian's probably back there thinking, oh, he's skipping steps. But we've got a plot diagram, right? And we start with a problem. Now, telling stories, I could, I could explain something to you. That's what I do. I'm a scientist. That's my background. I could explain a process to you. I could explain a situation to you. But the most compelling and convincing way to communicate an idea is through storytelling. And we begin with a problem. Things were one way, and then something messed that up, right? Once upon a time, there was a princess. She was beautiful and kind. She loved to care for all of the people in her father's kingdom, and she would visit them until one day when she was swept up by a greedy, evil dragon that took her away to a dark, cold castle. Things were peaceful, things were good, things were in harmony, but then we have a problem. Something got in the way. Something destroyed that peace and that harmony. We're familiar with that story, right? What comes next? What's the next step in that story? The prince or the knight, whatever it is. I see people laughing. I want to know what was said. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not quite, not quite where we're going. That's, uh, yeah, that's an alternate storyline. Um, yeah, so we've got a problem, but now we need a solution to the problem. And in this story, the solution to the problem is a person, a person with power, with nobility, with might to come in and save the day. And so the king, in his wisdom, in his power, in his wealth, hires a knight to search for, to find, and to save his daughter that he loves. We tell stories this way because this is our story. Like Brian led us in this morning in the call to worship. This is our story that we find ourselves in the middle of this problem situation. At birth, separated from God because of sin. Our good and righteous king, we have been removed from because of our own sin. We find ourselves needing a solution to this problem. So the the knight searches and he finds the princess. He destroys the dragon and he rescues the princess and takes her back to the king. But that's not the end of the story. We don't end with just the prince saves the day, the knight saves the day. What's the last sentence in every good fairy tale? They lived happily ever after. Good job. 
They lived happily ever after. So there's this part of the story that we so want to see, that we so want to hear, to know that this peace and this harmony that was restored will never be broken again. The daughter united with her father forever. The, the dragons defeated forever. Peace and joy and love will reign in the kingdom forever. This is the end of the story. And we find ourselves dissatisfied when stories end any other way, right? There's movies that I can't watch because I'm that guy that's like, ah, oh, don't make me be sad. I didn't pay money to be sad. It, it only makes it worth it if the end of the story ends happily ever after. Again, we tell stories because this is our story. The stories that we tell come from a deep understanding of real human pain and suffering, real problems and conflicts, danger, the loss of life, broken relationships, being enslaved or imprisoned to something that has power over you, some dark force usually that has power over you. Our stories involve our most desperate needs for rescue and restoration. We need a mighty and noble savior to come to our rescue. And our stories conclude with this deep inward sense that all things should be made right permanently. That true rescue has not been completed until that happens, until we get happily ever after. Now, we've just spent four weeks focusing on the problem of sin, the problem that we find ourselves in, the suffering, this pain, our enslavement to sin, and that God sent his son Jesus to save us. We've spent a lot of time on that part of the story. And so I want to look at this last sentence of our fairy tale story our template story this morning, happily ever after. Because as Christians, I think we spend most of our days so face-to-face -face with pain and suffering that it's easy for us to overlook that we have happily ever after right now. We will have it in its fullness. It has not come to us in its fullness. That is a promise of the Messiah we are still waiting for. And it hurts to wait for that promise. But it is also mysteriously at the same time a promise that we have access to right now. And I'll, I'll tell you how. Jesus being this, he, he's more than a brave and noble knight. The king himself came to us to bring us back. We've been celebrating this Jesus. We've been celebrating this brave and noble king coming to us. And we'll continue to do that. Let's, let's turn to uh, Isaiah 11, if you're not there yet. And I want you to put a hand there and then flip over to Isaiah 9. This, this classic Christmas text, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given. We've been given a rescuer in the government. The kingdom will rest on his shoulders. The kingdom is good and right and pure in his hands. This is the king that has come to us, that has rescued us from this dark and cold prison. Have that in mind as I read again Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. The cow and the bear shall graze their young, excuse me, I started in seven, let's go back to six. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze and their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This picture of Man and all creation finally being in harmony together is a picture of happily ever after. Peace between men. Peace between man and creation. Relationships restored. Disease destroyed. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. There will be peace on earth. There will be prosperity. There will be joy. We don't have to always be afraid of weather systems, destroying leveling towns. We don't always have to be afraid of invisible germs that may or may not make their way inside of us. We don't always have to be afraid of being eaten in your sleep at Big Ben while you're camping. So, hear me out. One of your pastors accidentally stole an Operation Christmas Child box. Not gonna name any names. But the other one is afraid of being eaten alive in his sleep while camping. So, we all have our problems. We don't always have to be afraid of those problems. The promise of the Messiah is that there will be peace. There will be harmony between man and creation. There will be harmony between man and God. We are still waiting, though. And we feel the sting of that waiting. We are still waiting for happily ever after. And while we rest, while we toil in this strange moment between the rescue, and that final sentence. There's, there's still much left for us to, hear, to do here. We're not just here aimlessly without purpose. We are left with work to do. We are left with a gospel to preach, a story to tell. Because there's people that don't know that story. And there's people that don't believe that it's true. We are left with something left with something to do, yes, but we are also left with peace 
and joy and love being available to us now, today. The perfect love and harmony of happily ever after is something we have access to today. And so while we wait for Jesus to come back to restore all things, he came first to restore our souls. That's what we celebrate in the Advent season. But he will come again. This other aspect of of the Advent waiting is that he will come again to restore all things. We already have access to our eternal future that Jesus has secured for us. And while we wait for for it to come fully, we get heaven today. To show you a little bit of what I mean, the the second part of Isaiah 11.9, that last, last half of that sentence, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This vision that God gives Isaiah of what eternity looks like, peace with men, peace with all of creation, peace with God, All of that is a fruit of one thing, the knowledge of God filling the earth. Ultimate peace and harmony comes from our union with God. The Apostle John in his gospel says in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Eternal life is knowing God. In the day after Christmas, that, that can kind of fall flat. Like, this ultimate reward we have is knowing God. And a lot of us feel like, well, we, I know God. So what, what kind of an eternity is that? This type of knowing is not the way that Brian knows English or I know science. It's not the kind of way that you even really know your best friend or your spouse or your children. It's like that, but to the next level. This kind of knowledge is holistic knowledge where you know and are known so deeply that nothing is hidden. And that type of intimacy, that type of knowledge terrifies us on this side of heaven. But we have the hope of our being known by God and our knowing him being so deep, so full. And exactly what Brian said this morning from Psalm 130, yet still his steadfast love means plentiful redemption. His love endures beyond what he knows of us. So the Apostle John begins his, his story of Jesus telling us that, that Jesus has made God fully known to us in the person and work of Christ. God is fully known to us. We have access to this eternity already. Our happily ever after is knowing God. So the peace and joy and love that we all desire so deeply is given to us in knowing Jesus. And and like I said before, 
we have scripture. This is God's story to us. And we don't just kind of read it blindly, right? And just flip through it and use it like a newspaper. Do you guys know what a newspaper is? Some of you? Um, my, early in the morning, I would hear my stepdad flipping the pages of the newspaper. I don't hear that sound anymore, but I still remember when someone says newspaper. That's the image that flips through my mind, uh, and it brings back a lot, of, a lot of fun memories, a lot of good memories. Um, but flipping through Scripture, this is, this is a meditative text. We know God through letting his word sink into us. So we take something like Psalm 130 and we linger there and we pray through it and ask God, what are you teaching me through this? What is plentiful redemption? Do I actually believe that? And you trust and hope and know that everything God says about himself and that he says about us is good and right and true. That is knowing God through scripture. We also know God through prayer. When we come to him with honesty, we come to him with our hearts fully exposed. He already knows everything inside of us. And so when we withhold, really what we're doing is we're neglecting the plentiful redemption and forgiveness that God has for us. And so we come to him to be fully known by him, honest about our hurts, our disappointments, our unmet expectations, but our hopes and our dreams, the things that bring us joy, we bring those to God in prayer. But we are still waiting for the fullness of our happily ever after. The promise of the Messiah is the promise of knowing God forever. We do not have to work and fight for peace and love and joy because we have it in Christ. Do you find yourself weak and burdened? Turn to Jesus and know him. Do you find yourself exhausted without answers anymore? Turn to Jesus and know him? Do you find yourself sunk deep in your sin and you can't get out of it and you're doing this one thing or multiple things that you can't seem to break free from? You feel imprisoned to sin. Turn to Jesus and know him. I'll repeat that Packer quote. I think it's a, a, a good place to bring this back. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. This is not saying neglect your whole life and, and just hide in a corner in your room and read and pray, but that your whole life is knowing God. And in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your imprisonment, turn to Jesus and know him. In our time of communion together, we've got um, the bread and the juice and the cups in the back, and we've got some to my left here. In our time together, as you eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus, broken and poured out for you, 
pray that you would grow in your knowledge of God and that you would live knowing that you are in Christ and that he is in you and that in him you have perfect peace, fullness of joy, and love that does not depend on how good you are. If you've not put the hope of your future in the hands of Christ, what more of a perfect time than right now? Please come talk to Brian or I so we can pray with you, we can talk to you. Holy Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We thank you that you have made your word known to us fully in your son, that you've given us access to this eternal future of knowing you, that you've given us peace and joy and love even today while we wait to be fully restored to you, Christ. Would you lead our hearts to worship this morning and for the rest of this week? And I pray, Father, that 2022 would be marked by a growth in knowledge of you and knowing you deeply. Would you help us to know ourselves, to know the story that you've put us in? And would you help us to know you, God? 